Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. My name is Mosey Truitt, and first of all, I want to make a quick announcement, something I'm super, super excited to share with you guys. I've been working on this project for a little while now, and this is the first announcement of it. We are going to be hosting an In the Spirit of Horse, the podcast, Summit. So what does that mean? Uh, Guests from In the Spirit of Horse, the different guests I've had up on this podcast and myself are going to be hosting a big event where we all come together and you guys can come and learn from the different people who have been on this podcast. Over Labor Day weekend, uh, we are going to have this big event here at the Wild Horse Sanctuary where uh, the different guests from Voices of the Herd are going to be giving talks and demos and even workshops all together, all in the same place. You can come meet them, meet me, meet the horses, and get all this amazing information all at one event, one weekend. I can't wait for it. I cannot wait to meet all these different guests I've had on the podcast in person and to learn from them personally myself and to hear them speak. Um, I also cannot wait to meet you guys. I just feel like it's going to be such an amazing opportunity to actually get to know and to to bring into reality this community that is out there. I think, you know, in this horse world, as it's changing, it's so incredible. It's so amazing to see all these people with these different ideas that are really working to help the horse. But I think sometimes we can feel a little bit alone And I know I kind of felt that, especially before starting the podcast, even though I saw all these people online, I hadn't connected with them in a more intimate and real way. So sometimes I felt alone and felt like I, that I maybe didn't have the support I really wanted um, in my big changes to my horsemanship and to my horse care. And I really, really wanted community. So that's what this podcast has brought me. It's brought me together with so many different people that are really on the same page and that value the same things I value. And it's really just made me feel so um, connected and feel so grateful to just support other people who are on such a similar path and even different paths, you know, to kind of expand my uh, knowledge and to expand expand my um, level of compassion and to really understand um, all these different amazing people who are really doing amazing work for the horse. So that's what I want this summit to be. It's a place for people to connect with the speakers and connect with each other so that we we start to really realize and and actualize this community so we don't feel alone and we feel supported and we come together in this amazing, amazing exploration of what it means to connect and to love with horses and to connect and love ourselves. So yes, that is happening Labor Day weekend in Southern California. So yeah, I can't wait to share more about it with you guys. If you have questions, please feel free to send them my way and I'll try to answer them in the next podcast. But uh. Yeah, that was my big announcement. And now I guess on to uh, this week's episode. So I just want to warn you guys. Uh, first thing you might notice right now is that I am sick. I actually was sick last week too, and I feel bad I didn't announce not doing a podcast, but as you probably know, I skipped last week. And I'm uh, still sick this week. And yeah, I, it it doesn't lend itself well to recording a podcast when you have a cold with all the sounds that come out of your nose and in the back of my throat. So if you have, you know, an issue with mucus (laughs) and with, I don't know, just sickly sounds, uh, yeah, maybe you might want to turn this off because I cannot promise that there's not going to be a lot of sniffling and some coughing and I'm going to try my best to hold it down, but it's already, it's already a little difficult right now. So yes, I am sick. But anyway, moving on, I am really, really excited to talk to you guys this week about a horse that I am absolutely in love with that I kind of want to share more of her story. Oh, just had to break for a second to have a little cough. 
but uh, we're back. <laughs> so the horse I want to talk about this week um, is actually one of the wild horses in Voices of the Herd. And if you follow me on Instagram or if you follow Voices of the Herd, then you might know her. Her name is Athena, and she is absolutely incredible. I don't know. She she blows my mind, and she's just so special to me. And I think our relationship is unique, uh, really unique, and in the sense that I haven't ever experienced anything quite like it. And, um, yeah, I'm in love with a bunch of horses, but... Uh, there's something really, really special about her. And I want to share with you guys a bit about what it has been like. First of all, getting her because she was at the BLM. Actually, not the BLM. She was at the Forest Service, but she was rounded up out of the wild. Um, she's about six years old. And um, yeah, you know, now she's free at the sanctuary. And there are just so many magical things about her and so many magical stories. I just kind of want to share with you guys a bit of our journey together because I think there's some interesting things in there and, and I really want to talk about it. So uh, let's, let's jump in. So as you may know, if you've been following the journey, the wild horses journey, it's not such a funny, it's like an appropriate word, but I just feel like everyone's like, it's my journey, <laughs> but it has been a journey with the wild horses. And, um, yeah, if, if you've been following our journey, then you might have seen some pictures of Athena when she was at the holding pen. So to kind of set it up, um, for those who don't know, my amazing friend and partner, um, in crime and in horse rescuing, Nina Polo and I went to the forest service after a roundup in devil's garden, California. So, uh, if you know anything about the wild horses, you know that they do roundups and, um, they round the horses up by helicopter and, um, kind of get them into the chute and then have them at these holding pens where they will then go up for sale or adoption. Um, a lot of them sadly don't get adopted. I think there's like 50,000 wild horses just sitting in holding pens. Um, but, but the, you know, as even though we can't take them all, like starting the sanctuary, we wanted to go get some from this particular roundup and do our first rescue and get our first herd um, from Devil's Garden because... It was a really interesting roundup in the sense that the horses were rounded up by the Forest Service instead of the BLM, so they were going for sale for like $25 rather than adopted, um, which has you know a couple different implications that I might talk about in a different podcast. And also it was from our home state, California, and we just really felt like this was the right roundup to, to go get horses from. Because originally we had been planning on going to a holding facility and getting some horses in January. So in November and at the end of October, when we first started looking at this herd, it was, you know, quite a bit earlier than we were expecting to go get horses. But we just really, really felt like we had to take action now. I was feeling um, big intuition that this was the herd and this was the roundup to go to. So... Um, on the day, we went to go pick up some horses. We came with our um, stock trailer and, you know, we had thought a little bit about how do we pick horses out of, you know, the hundreds of horses that are there? How do we pick the, um, you know, few in comparison that we can take home with us? And I really felt like we will know um, that we're not going to be able to plan. We can't look online, you know. I didn't want to pick off things like beauty, obviously. All horses are beautiful, but I didn't want to pick off color or um, a look of any sort. I just really felt that when we saw the horses, we would know which ones to take home. 
And it would be a really hard and kind of impossible choice. But also if we let the feeling guide us, um, it would work out in the way it was meant to. So that's the attitude we went in when getting these horses. That and we also wanted to keep pairs together. So if we knew that horses had been rounded up together from a particular herd or a family band, um, we wanted to try to keep those horses together. But in a roundup like this, uh, they they kind of push them all in together really fast and then they get sorted into mares and stallions and it, it's sometimes really hard to keep track of that. So uh, we did end up getting a pair that were pretty sure came in together because they were super, super bonded ever since they rounded them up. And the Forest Service was amazing in telling us, like, if you are looking for bonded horses, like these horses, these two mares have not left each other's side since they came in. So so without even, like, thinking about it, we or looking at them, actually, we were like, yeah, we'll take them. And that was Searsha and Molly. Um, so that happened that way. And, and I was really, really grateful to the Forest Service for letting us know on those horses. But for the rest of them, we were just going off feeling. And we were looking into this big herd of maybe 50, pretty much all bays. Um, and it's just a sea of horses, um, all looking pretty similar. And, you know, how do you pick? And all of a sudden, I saw this one horse uh, walk through kind of the center of all of these different horses. And immediately I was enchanted. And it wasn't because of her look and it wasn't uh, because of her color or anything physically about her. But it was like how they describe in the movies of like love at first sight where everything slows down and you, it's like you have tunnel vision and you just see the your muse or you know whatever you see the object of your affection and it was Athena and I just was so enamored by her I was so enchanted is really the best word um I didn't you know know anything about her at that point but I felt almost instantly that we definitely had to take her home and I was trusting that feeling really quickly so we looked at her, you know, trying to find some kind of marking that could possibly tell her apart because there's like all these bays in there and she doesn't have like a, a really like standout marking other than like these little snips of white on her face and a lot of them are covered by hair. So we were like trying to figure out, okay, well, she has a tangle in her hair and she, uh, and she's pretty far away, so it's, like, hard to even tell, like, how exactly, like, you know, how she looks. Um, but we were, like, we, we have to get this horse. I was, like, I, I know that she has to come home with us. I recognize her. So we tried to remember everything we could about her. And then we had to leave for a little bit because they had to do um, – we had to do some paperwork and they had to geld some horses. So we couldn't take the horses home right then, the ones that we had picked. So we came back a few hours later and again, they needed us to pick out the horses that we had identified that we were going to take home because, uh, yeah, they needed to sort them and bring them forward. And I was looking into that big herd of bays again and they're all running around and they're, you know, they're all mixed and they're pretty far away because they're trying to stay away from the humans on the edge of the fence. And I was like, not seeing, not seeing her, not seeing her. And I was like, I gotta, gotta find that tangle in her hair. I gotta find that horse. And then again, I'm like looking into the herd of horses and this one horse just catches my eye and I feel like immediately enchanted. And I'm like, whoa, who's that horse? And then I see the tangle in her hair and I was like, oh, it's Athena. <laughs> again, I'm like so enchanted by her. So, uh, we, so then we, she came a little bit closer to the fence and we were able to see, oh, she has like a little snippet of white on her nose and we got to see more details on her. So we made sure to make note and take pictures because what they do next is they run the herd through a chute and they'll run 50 horses into this narrow um, line so that this big herd of like mixed horses become a line of bays and, um, 
And then you have to identify which one's yours when they come into the shoot. You can get closer and they're kind of constrained. And you say, yeah, that's them or that's not them. And and if it's them, they sort them into another pen that will then feed onto the trailer. And if it's not them, they release them back into the the big pen they came from all together. So it was so crazy because in another herd that we had picked three mares from, all three of our mares had been in a line. So in that herd, you know, there's like 50 to 100 horses and the odds of your horses like being in a line, like there's one, oh yeah, that's her, that's her, that's her, um, is really, really slim. But that had already happened, that the horses that we had picked off feelings were just like one, two, three, um, like ready to get on the trailer. And now with Athena, we picked two horses out of this herd. We picked Aria and we picked Athena. And Aria happened to be the very first horse that had gone through the shoot. So the first one, they're like, is this your horse? We're like, oh yeah, that's Aria. Um, And so they put her into the trailer or they put her into the pen of the trailer. And then the next horse comes up and it's a bay. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Athena. And she was the second horse uh, to be in this line, which was just absolutely crazy because all of our horses like just were in a line and Athena and Arya also happened to be the very first horses out of these 50 that they had been running through the chute. And the odds were just crazy. Like it still blows my mind and just made me feel so assured that um, in, with this impossible choice of who do you pick, that our feeling was being validated that we were picking the ones that were meant to come home right now with us. So also what was crazy with that, and I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but the um, the shoot right after Athena and Arya went through broke. So they weren't able to put any more horses through it because they're like the whole contraption broke and they had to fix it. So like right in time, we had like gotten our horses all together and then were able to put them on the trailer and actually go home. So that was like another really crazy coincidence. But, um, yeah, I was just so, I like, there's something about Athena, there's something about all of them. And I kind of want to make a podcast about each and every one of them because there's a special story for all of them. But Athena was the first horse we named because I was looking at her and we only had a few minutes or a few seconds actually like going through the shoot and like then before they put them on the trailer, um, where we actually got to see them and I just saw her and I was like immediately I think this is Athena and I hadn't been planning on naming a horse Athena but the goddess Athena the goddess of wisdom uh, has always been near and dear to my heart and I I just always loved with Greek mythology Athena's been one of my favorite um, goddesses and and immediately I was just like recognized like this is Athena like I feel like this is her name. And so we named her like almost immediately because I just felt like I recognized her so clearly. So yeah, we brought them all home and I was really amazed with all of them because they are truly wild. Um, When we picked them up and we brought them back here, they had only just been rounded up like maybe a month or so. Uh, before, which is about as quick as you can get them because, you know, they go through processing and they go through the whole, the whole thing the BLM has to do in order to uh, make them adoptable or purchasable. But we like got them right after that, that month of processing. So they were very, very newly um, in captivity, in captivity and very, very newly wild or no, they are very wild. (laughs) Um, but I was amazed with all of them, just their resilience, first of all, and also how quickly they came to trust because the whole herd, it just amazes me because they have an entire mountain to get away. We really set them out free. They know when we're coming far before we see them. 
So the mares who have this entire mountainside to leave at any moment, they could hear us walking through the bushes and they could just disappear. And we could, in theory, like never see them again unless we like really, really worked to like kind of sneak up on them. Um, They so quickly trusted our presence around them. It felt like even on day one, um, there was a difference in that. And that's not to say that you can just go up to all of them because you certainly can't. They are very wild. And I've had to learn to treat them like very differently than I might have just treated my, you know, quote unquote, domestic horses. You can't just go up to them. Uh, You have to really watch, be really, really mindful because they will get into altercations with each other or they will communicate in really strong ways. And, you know, you have to be aware of yourself and, and again, there's like no way to force them to do anything and there's no way to pressure them or to, uh, like kind of entice them to do something for you. When you go out there, all you have is you and all they have is them. And I did really, I really did believe that when they came here, that even after the trauma of being rounded up and even with the freedom to completely leave and never see us again if they don't want to and not interact, because I've spent a lot of time in the wild with wild horses that have never seen humans, um, I know there's this curiosity and there's this desire for them to connect. And I trusted that that would come out and that we would see that and, and that we would you know, experience something with them. But just so quickly, uh, that rang really true because all of them very quickly uh, trusted our presence around them. Um, again, not approaching them, not certainly not touching them, and not getting too close. But all of them kind of accepted our presence and were kind of interested in what we were doing around them and also seemed to feel really safe. Um, you know, as long as we weren't like pursuing them and we came out with no expectations, um, they all seemed pretty content and that's grown and grown over the past few months for all of them. Uh, but Athena, there's immediately was something different about Athena and actually, uh, Linda, I don't want to say her last name cause I always butcher names, but, um, uh, I talked about her book in um, the books I recommended podcast. Uh, she wrote a book called Five Roles of the Master Herder. And in this book, she talks about um, she talks about how humans and other species first connect. And um, it always really, really resonated with me, this part of her book. And I also saw her do a talk on it once that that inspired me so much about the individuals in a herd that will first reach out and make the connection, you know, brave that kind of unknown step first and build a bridge of connection between the species. So, you know, the first human to gently and with curiosity uh, reach out to a horse or to a horse in a herd of wild horses. And even more importantly, I think, the first horse to reach out and make contact with a human. While all the other horses, you know, might see the humans, but never engage to connect first and never um, take that initial leap of trust. Um, She talks about the one that makes that initial step who faces the unknown and the uncertainty and, and really leads uh, the rest of them in, in actually reaching out and making a connection. And she talks about that on both sides, on, on an animal side and on a human animal side. And not just with horses, but like with deer and with other herd animals and other species in general. But anyway, that always resonated with me. I always was so curious about 
that initial connection of when human and other animal first connect and when there's this bridging of the wild and this bridging of species, who are the individuals that first make that happen? Because that initial contact and that initial desire to connect, to choose curiosity over fear and to trust in the unknown, really, I think it takes so much courage and it takes an open heart. And I've wanted to explore that so much ever since reading her book. And that was actually kind of my inspiration for or one of my inspirations for, you know, getting a herd of wild horses because I wanted to explore what is that initial connection like and who is it with and and what will it what will it look like how will it form in a really natural setting. So my idea was like, well the most natural thing I can do is to have, you know, to try to connect with a wild herd of horses in an environment where they're not pressured to connect with us, where they don't need us for anything, where there's no need for food or water or, um, you know, whatever else that the horse might have to look to us. Like when all of that's gone and there's just pure curiosity and pure desire to connect, what is that experience like? And will the horses reach out or will there be a first horse? to reach out. And that's really, really what I wanted to explore um, with Voices of the Herd. That's, like I said, been like one of my leading um, motivations, I guess. Uh, I really, really have always wanted to rescue wild horses, and I would say that's like the main motivation. But this exploration of the horse-human connection in the most raw sense without expectation and without the ability to control or manipulate one another that has inspired me so much and I've wanted to know what that is like and I've wanted to know like who is the horse that that will reach out first you know who is that initial connector um and it's Athena (sighs) And she's just so magical. I can't even, can't even believe it. It was only like a few weeks in, or not even weeks, it was like a few days in that she started to make it known that, that she wanted to connect in a deeper way or that she felt brave enough to connect in, in another way. Um, I'd go out with the horses and they'd all kind of watch me and keep their distance but I could just feel from Athena really within the first few days that that she had a desire to come closer and that she wasn't scared um and and she still had like you know like I think there is I think there is fear there was an unknown she didn't know what I was gonna do and again I also didn't know what she was gonna do some of these horses, like like with Griffin, who's one of our stallions, um, and with Aria, who's one of our mares, like I also had to keep my distance because I could feel from them if I got too close, they might come aggressively at me in a way that I hadn't really experienced um, other horses do a lot. Uh, like with Griffin, if I got too close and I didn't respect his boundaries, I knew he might lunge to attack me. So, you know, being aware of that, like there took trust on my side that if Athena wants to approach me, um, I have to feel safe too. And I have to trust in the energy I'm feeling from her. But I felt this desire from her to get closer. And again, I wasn't going out with the desire to, or with the, um, the plan of going up to them and, uh, making them comfortable with me. I wanted to see if they would seek me out. So make it available, I'm open, but not try to push or force anything in any way. So in the first few days where she just started 
walking closer and closer to me, um, it just took trust on both of our sides. Trust in a, you know, for her that I wasn't going to lunge out and, and do some weird human thing like she had experienced in the roundup. And trust on my side that she wasn't going to approach me and then attack me, you know, with her feet or her teeth or all of the other ways that she totally has the upper hand on me out there. And so for a few days, like that, we just, I think we felt it. Like I could feel her desire. She could feel mine. And then, and then one day I was standing out there and I was kind of like walking away from the horses. I was exploring some of the places where they had like made a bed and where they had lied down. And I was just like really, um, so like giggly at like how awesome this was that these horses were, uh, making the land their own and looking what they had done the night before and stuff like that. And she followed me down the hill and she followed me into this, um, into this little like, uh, secluded area like her herd was above on the on the hillside and she kind of followed me into this like little patch of grass and I was standing there and I was filming at first some of the the land and looking at the different like uh you know the different things they were grazing on but I just felt like there was this really important moment coming on so I put my phone down and I looked at her and she walked a little closer and I walked a little closer to her and then she stepped up a little bit more and I had this feeling, you know, she's about a foot away from me now. And like my heart is like racing, um, not out of fear, but out of pure exhilaration and joy. And, and there's this softness between us that I can't even explain, um, how beautiful and like tantalizing it was but I didn't want to reach out and pet her even though I totally felt like I could like here's this wild horse I'm not even close to coming near any of the other ones and she's like a foot away from me and I again I totally get this feeling like if I I could reach out and touch her right now but I didn't want to put that on her and I didn't want to force it on her so I asked her out loud I was like I feel like you might want to be touched right now or that we could make this physical connection, but I don't want to do that unless you want it. So, um, you know, if you can show me a sign that that's what you want, um, I'd be happy to, (laughs) I'd be happy to connect, but I want to know that it's what you want. And I kid you not, I can't even like believe that this happened but she took in this big breath and then with her exhale, she just shifted her weight over and I'm standing so still. I'm like, so, so amazed. And I'm just like waiting to see what will happen next. And she breathes out and she puts her cheek, her, her face right on my face, on my cheek. And she rests her cheek right on mine and just gently caresses my face with her face. (laughs) And it was the most, it was one of the most magical moments. I I can't even explain. I I couldn't believe it was happening as it was happening. And right after I had asked this question of her, and she reached out and she touched me in this most like deliberate way. It was almost like she was doing yoga, like moving with her breath, which is actually, I've noticed, um, of all the horses I've ever been around, she really, really moves with her breath. She does the leaning a lot. She'll like sway back and forth with her breath and, and touch things like very deliberately. And she did that with me. And so I took that as my sign. I like slowly reached up to her neck and so gently, um, started, started petting her neck and, um, and caressing her face too. And she just stayed leaned in and, and, and just received it like so beautifully, just, you could tell she was so content receiving that touch. And it was again, one of those magical moments. I can't even 
explain. Um, but yeah, since then, I still, I don't go up to her and just pet her anytime, even though now I really feel like, like I could, like, like I still have to watch her because she'll interact with other horses and, um, and she's kind of like a big boss. So I've seen her, uh, (laughs) get into some pretty gnarly, like not fights because they get over it so quickly, but some pretty gnarly, like, um, confrontations with some of the other wild horses before, like some kicking matches where she just doesn't back down. She can be so, so tough. Like for instance, one time, uh, at the very beginning, when they first got out of the trailer, the stallions and the mares were together because they were all together in the stock trailer and we kind of sorted them out. But when they first got out, we put hay down so that they could like eat and get water and, um, and, you know, just like rest from their really long journey. And she let all the mares eat and like refused to let the stallion eat. <laughs> she just like kept him off the hay and like had no issue with all the other mares. But, you know, he was like, he was being pretty forceful about it. And she was like, nope. And, and she just like very easily and with a lot of conviction, like kept the stallion from bothering any of the mares while they were eating. So I've seen her be very, very tough and she has a kick that like would intimidate anyone, like just a double barrel, like she's a hardy girl. Uh, But she also is just one of the gentlest horses I've ever met. Like when she touches me and when I touch her or pet her, um, it's just so soft. I can't, I can't even describe how soft she is. And she has both of that in her. So getting back to my point, um, you know, I'm still very aware when I'm around her and always reading her energy, always trying to read the energy of the herd because with the wild horses, you have to be really, really um, constantly aware and constantly on with that feeling to stay safe. But also I just have such a feeling that you know, almost any day, she's really, really open that I could just go up and pet her. And I could probably just go put my arms around her and, and she'd be fine with that. But I don't do that. (laughs) I, every single time, because I think this is so sacred and asking her permission and, you know, really, really respecting our relationship is so important to me. Um, I ask her, every time before going up and touching her. And I wait every time to see if there's a sign that so that she doesn't just accept that I'm petting her or accept that I'm touching her, but that she shows me that she really wants that. So, you know, some days I go out and I feel like, yeah, she'd accept my pet right now, but she's not really asking for it. So I don't touch her. And that's a beautiful thing with our relationship too. That's teaching me so much that I don't have to get something out of it, even, even touching her, you know, cause, cause we always want to touch horses. Like they're wonderful to touch, but I don't even need that in order to feel fulfilled in this relationship. And if I can just be next to her and we can just, you know, share some space that that is just as fulfilling and that is just as meaningful, um, as anything else. And I'm fulfilled with that. And I really want her to know that. So I always ask her if she wants to be pet. And I wait for a sign from her if she really wants to be touched. And and part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I just had a moment with her uh, like a few minutes ago, right before I did this podcast, where we were standing on a hill And I asked her if she wanted to be touched and she does the thing she does where she leans into me. She takes a big breath and then she leans into me, um, with her head and neck if she wants, um, if she wants that interaction. And I was just standing there with her on this hill and the wind was blowing and everything was just feeling so wild and all the other horses were around us grazing and she was just standing there, um, with her head up, just kind of like looking at me. 
and I started caressing her neck and petting under her mane. And I started just like untangling her mane. I always like wanted to leave her mane tangled because that was one of the ways I had like identified her. But there's something about this moment where I just was feeling really drawn to like play with her hair. So I was playing with it and just kind of lightly um, untangling it. And she was like starting to fall asleep. And I wasn't even like massaging her at this point because usually she'll she'll kind of relax and fall asleep if I'm like massaging her and giving her good scratches. But this time I was just like gently like caressing her mane and and um, yeah, just kind of detangling it. And she was falling asleep and and then I, I started to kind of sing to her and and detangle her mane and she was just so relaxed. And I wish I could I, I'm not finding words to describe how beautiful this moment was, but it was just so peaceful. But there's also something about it where it wasn't even like I was giving her scratches, which, you know, I know that when like I give her scratches under her mane, she really likes it. And I'm giving her touch that feels really good. And she does the lip thing and everything. But this was like even less, uh, quote unquote, rewarding for her, you know, in my mind than that. Because I was, ju- I was just touching her mane. She probably wasn't feeling it all that much, but there's something about like the energy between us where we just like kind of relaxed and were blissed out together um, in this interaction where I think we were both receiving so much, but it was just in each other's presence. And we did that for like 15 minutes while all the other horses were eating. And, and it was just the most amazing moment to to look around and be like, here I am with this wild horse who has chosen me for some reason to, to connect with. And she's, she's also just chosen human humans in general, um, to trust and look where we are and look what this relationship is that probably more than any of the other relationships I have with any of the other horses, um, in my life, it's just so based on love and giving freely. It's just so based on giving freely. And there's nothing either of us are trying to win or get out of it. Um, there's nothing we're trying to prove. There's nothing we're trying to do. It's just so full on its own. And I feel like that's where I'm, that's where I am heading with all of my horses. And that's what I really want to be at. And I feel like since moving, that has become more and more the case with all of my horses. But there's been something about, you know, having grown up in like this domesticated world where it's taking some unbreaking or, un, or rewilding, as I've been calling it with my quote-unquote domestic horses uh, just because there has been expectation before. You know, at the very least, like, what about the expectation to pet the horse, you know, or what our relationship should be? Because it's interesting, like, Annie, who you might know is, like, she's my soulmate, uh, and she's, she's my first horse, and she's here at the ranch, and I love her so, so much. And she doesn't actually like being pet that much. So I have a similar relationship with her where I try really hard not to um, not to ask even to pet her um, unless she wants it. Or, you know, not to like require that out of our relationship for it to mean something. Um, but again, that it feels like there's a little bit of like an unbreaking in that or like a change of mindset because growing up in this culture, I think I've felt before that if we're not snuggling or if we're not, you know, at the beginning it was if we're not riding or if we're not training or if she doesn't want to be with me in this certain way, then our relationship is somehow 
invalid. Um, and I've been, I've gone through a long process of kind of looking for proof of our love. <laughs> and I think that, I think that is something I see a lot of people, uh, feel with their horses. And, and I think it breeds some disappointment of like looking at what the relationship should be, you know, cause even if we don't have expectations on it, I think we feel the pressure of if I'm not in a relationship that looks like this with my horse, then I'm not doing something right. And I'm, you know, not a good horsewoman or our bond isn't strong enough. I so see that pressure with people in the horse world and, and with girls, I think that want, and not just girls, men too, but, um, that, that want so badly to be, you know, to build these relationships and, and end up feeling like something's wrong with them if it doesn't look the way that we expect it to look. And I have so felt that pressure and, and I know it with Annie, like Annie's probably the number one that I, I know, I know how it looks on Instagram. And I'm sure that a lot of people have actually compared their relationship with their horse to me and Annie on Instagram. But even I, like, like I feel that with Annie, I feel the pressure of the expectation of what does it look like if she truly loves me or if I truly love her? Like, what does our relationship have to be? Um, what should it look like? And man, I think that pressure, like if we're just giving compassion to ourselves, like that sucked <laughs> at all, and, and still does suck. Like to think that there's something wrong with your relationship with your horse because it does or doesn't look a certain way. Um, and there's something about now also connecting with Athena in this really special circumstance that I've never had before where she's wild. So there really isn't expectation of like what that should look like. Like everything is just an extra gift because my expectation is she's wild. She might not want anything to do with me and that's totally fine. And if I never touch her, totally fine. Um, that makes all this extra stuff of her coming up to me and her uh, touching my face and me being able to untangle her hair just such an extra gift. And that's not to say I don't desire to touch her because I certainly do. You know, I go out there and and I'm okay if I don't get to touch her, but I am certainly elated when I get to. Um, I'm not going to say that that doesn't like make me even more happy, uh, because it, it does, it, it's incredible to me. But I think that there's something about not having expectation on it. Um, that just makes it all the more magical. The other thing I just wanted to touch on, uh, that this relationship with Athena has really brought to my attention is the amount of trust it takes to engage and the amount of trust it takes to love because after everything these horses have been through and all the change and, and their experience of people before, I could totally see it being the safe choice not to, uh, connect, <laughs> I could see it being the safe choice not to engage with the human that just keeps showing up in their, on their mountainside. Um, they certainly don't have to, like I said, they can walk away at any point. They, if they wanted to, they wouldn't have to have anything to do with me. Um, and I think that I've proved that to them too, by not pursuing them. And still they choose to be curious and still they choose connection and especially Athena, you know, there was a risk in her reaching out to me. Um, it's a leap of faith because there's a risk in the unknown of, you know, if I go really close to this human, what if she 
like snaps a rope around my neck and then and then catches me again you know there's a risk of what if she lashes out to hit me you know all the different things that maybe a horse could be thinking could happen or or have happened before so it's in their it's in their uh memory of what if this human um yeah, it takes away my freedom or hurts me or, you know, all these different things that you can see in their eyes, you know, like with the other ones, I see the suspicion if I get too close of, especially in the beginning, like, what is she going to do? And the amount of trust it takes for Athena to, to have known that risk as much as the other horses and have still found it worth it to to reach out and connect, not because she knows it's going to be safe because she doesn't. Um, and I don't think she did it because she was fearless. I think she did it because she had the courage, um, to take the risk and she had the courage to trust what she was feeling. And that inspires me so much because in loving anyone, you're taking a risk. But I think the most beautiful things that we can experience in this lifetime are usually on the other side of that risk. And I don't know, just her willingness to follow her instinct and her drive to connect and to trust herself and to extend trust to another being as well. It moves me so much. And I think about Athena, like if I think about her personality, Athena really trusts herself. And I feel like that might even be where her ability to trust others comes from. Um, and I only just had that thought now, but Athena is the youngest in the herd. She's like six or seven. I think everyone else is about 10 to 15. Um, you know, approximately, they don't know for sure. But she's also, I think, the most grounded and the most stable. And all the horses, you know, play a different role. And all the horses uh, have their incredible strength and have incredible bravery. But Athena's particular type is just so steady. Athena is what is she? It's hard to even explain. Like she's so gently assured of herself. She's so strong, and it's her strength. And like I said, like her like being able to push the stallions off and everything, like her trust in herself and in her like strong boundaries and in her, um, in her power, she is able to be so, so soft and so, so trusting and gentle. And she's just, Athena, the name fits her so well because she just feels so wise to me. And yeah, I just feel that like, I think that part of her ability to trust me is just her trust in herself above all. Like I said, she moves with her breath. Like every step she takes has a confidence in it. What it feels like is that she stands with herself and in herself. And I don't think everyone has to be exactly like that in order to like trust and be brave in life. Um, and I think the other horses are also different and they also have this ability and this drive to connect as well. And maybe different personality types would connect with different people, you know, maybe if it wasn't me going out with the herd and it was someone else, um, a different horse would have chosen to be the bridge and to connect. But Athena picked us and picked me and has picked humans and has been that one and 
for me personally, because I think that there's something with us, um, looking at her qualities and looking at what, what makes her so strong just fascinates me. But again, I think I'm going on a bit of a tangent, like just kind of now I'm like daydreaming about this amazing horse I'm in love with. And, uh, I'm just sitting here like so smitten. Um, (laughs) but one more thing that's really, really awesome about Athena is I, I recorded an episode about, um, you know, what you do without training. Like, what do you have left in order to collaborate with horses and with all animals? I think if you don't have pressure and you don't have positive reinforcement and there's just no way to train, which is what it's like with these horses that are wild out on this mountain. And I talked about how I'd go out and I would ask, like all I could do is ask for their help. So when I needed to switch the stallions and the mares around um, in these different areas, I'd go out and I would just say, like, mares, I really, really need you to come with me. There's no reason for you to come with me other than um, that my intuition is telling me that this is what we need to do and it's in all of our best interests and will you please um, accompany me? And it, I would ask the whole herd for sure, but I always also asked Athena specifically. And I'd ask her, um, Athena, will you help me? Will you help me bring the mares over here and, um, and, and, you know, into the certain place and like, so we can collaborate together. And yeah, she helped me so much just from asking her, uh, I'd ask her if she'd follow me and she would, and I'm not, you know, giving her or doing anything to make that happen, but yeah, I don't know. She just, all of them. Cause it wasn't just her. I'd, I'd ask other horses too. Um, but in doubt, especially in moments of like harder moments where I wasn't exactly sure what to do, I did and have really looked to her for help. And, and she's, she's really, really been there for me. So she's the only one of the wild horses that, uh, that I go up and touch. And that's where you'll see pictures of us together. And now you know why. <laughs> and I cannot wait to see where this relationship goes and what more I learn from her and to share it with you guys. Thank you all. I hope this episode has been, <laughs> uh, uh, something and uh, nice to listen to. Uh, I feel a little discombobulated today. Um, but I, I guess I kind of feel that every time I do a solo episode, but there's something about being sick too, that like is making me feel a little bit even more like not in my head, but I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm, I feel an urge to apologize for this episode right now, but I'm not going to do it because I'm going to stand with it. It is what it is. And, you know, I think talking about this amazing horse, it was just wonderful to do that. You can totally follow her on uh, Voices of the Herd. I just posted some videos of her today and uh, and all of them. And you can kind of get to know them all better there. I'm trying to update it with more stories and trying to um, post more videos of them so you can get to know their personalities. I'm always like so fascinated with which horses people feel drawn to. I've always felt that with my horses, like when people come for clinics, getting to see like who feels drawn to who and who people pick to work with. Um, I love it. It's like super fun psychoanalyzing, but also not psychoanalyzing. (laughs) I think it just says a lot and it's fun. So yeah. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. I will see you guys next week with a brand new episode. If you like the show and feel like writing a review on iTunes or sharing it on Instagram or, uh, with your friends, it means so much to me and I appreciate it so much. And I love to hear your comments and your thoughts on the individual episodes. I'll see you guys next week. Oh, and remember that if you're interested in the summit, tickets should be available soon so you can plan your trip. I cannot wait to talk with all these different um, amazing guests that have been on the show and to meet everyone in person. Um, So tickets will either be up 
by now or they'll be up in the next couple weeks. But yeah, I will see you guys next week and I hope to see some of you at the summit and uh, yeah, talk to you later.